Welcome back to the QEH podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week we'll be interviewing people within the QEH community, asking them questions and spending time understanding them and more about the school. Today we're talking to the head of teaching and learning in the junior school. Richard Hall is going to talk us through how he found his way into teaching, and I can tell you it's not exactly a standard route, the benefits that that brings to being a teacher today, the time of day that Richard enjoys the most, and even how the school timetable is created, something that few people tend to even think about, and it doesn't sound all that easy. That's all coming up in this episode, so come with me while we speak to the head of teaching and learning in the junior school, Richard Hall. Richard, thank you for joining us on this episode of the School Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you, Simon. Yeah, a very typically busy morning I've had at the junior school at QEH, teaching lots of computing and maths and English this morning. Ah, okay. Now, if I think back to my computing days at school, they're probably very different to computing in 2021. What kind of things do you tend to teach <laughs> in computing these days? Uh, well, a whole range of things. I mean, certainly this term, we're focused very much on coding. So even as young as year three in the junior school, that the boys will learn some basics of coding. We use a range of different packages and software to, to help them to learn. A, a big favourite is Scratch, which we use across the year groups, where they, they use sort of quite visual block coding systems, and they are capable of making some incredible things. So they'll, they'll make their own arcade sort of style games. They'll make quizzes. We also use some things on the iPads called uh, so Swift Playgrounds is another huge favourite. Uh, year four are currently working on that, which is you know it's, they learn to code and they learn the basics of sort of you know writing algorithms and ordering instructions correctly in a really sort of fun game-like environment. So they they love that. But in addition to sort of coding and basic programming skills, we do a lot of work on e-safety. You know, staying safe on the internet. Mm-hmm. Children will make sort of presentations about you know how to stay safe on the internet. We learn about you know the basics of computer networks and how the internet works. So, a whole host of things. Okay, it's really interesting to hear this. And actually, before we move on and get into the heart of this episode, I'd love to unpack this just a little bit more because I'm wondering yeah. if the listeners who are listening to this right now, if they think back to when they were at school, maybe. Maybe computing was seen as a little bit for, for the geeky people in the school, if I'm allowed to say that still, and and, and, it's, and it wasn't so, so much of a cool thing, uh, wasn't so much of a normal kind of subject either. How, how has that changed over the years? Well, it's completely changed, yeah. I mean, certainly as a primary school teacher, you know, my experience of computing in primary schools, uh, you know, way back in the uh, early 1980s, you know, was a BBC microcomputer tucked away in the corner of a classroom. On wheels. You know, (laughs) on wheels, which was a strangely mysterious thing that nobody really knew how to work. You know, I mean, if I look at how the the IT is set up in the junior school now, you know, it's it's completely changed. Every child has access to an iPad, so their own sort of device for use in school. You know, what that has allowed us to do is it, it, it means we don't just discreetly teach computing and programming it means that IT and technology you know has slowly sort of organically become part of everything that we do so a lot of the the children's learning in the junior school in you know particularly in terms of um, the core subjects of maths and English we support and enhance through the use of IT that's been you know something I've passionately developed in the junior school over about the last five or six years you know 
and I've, I've found that's had a hugely positively positive impact on on the the boys and how engaged they are with their learning if i think about literacy the use of ipads the use of sort of digital media allows the children to share publish celebrate their you know the amazing writing that, that they produce in a variety of different ways um you know we make ebooks we make you know video presentations animated keynote presentations of their work all is shared on social media you know a, you know across the school community all is shared with their parents on seesaw on the children's digital learning journals and i find it's just such a motivator to the children you know that their writing suddenly matters full stops capital letters punctuation become more important because they know that their writing is going to be shared and published and celebrated in a digital format and it's just been you know hugely motivating and engaging for the children and i think you know that is it continues in the senior school and i i know the senior school are working towards uh, one-to-one devices for their pupils as well but you know computing and you know learning more about computer science is very much part of the senior school curriculum as well so mm. the sort of foundations we've laid in the junior school that's carried on and you know i i speak to year 8 year 9 pupils who'll talk to me about the you know the quite high level complex coding work that they're doing you know using python or a, a similar language and wow. you know it's become part of and you know, it's almost becoming a core subject in the curriculum I, I, that's how i feel about it anyway mm. and that of course re- reflects what's happening in the modern world that they're going to go and carry on their lives in very soon i wonder how long it'll be then before it is actually viewed you know nationwide globally as one of those core subjects in that case Richard, we're going to be talking about various things in the junior school, but as head of teaching and learning in the junior school, tell us a little bit about what that role actually involves. Well, it's you know it's a very much sort of overview kind of role. So I, I take care of the timetabling, which is always a bit of a, a headache in the summer term as we think ahead to the following academic year. And of course, we have the the challenge of fitting in around a lot of the things that are happening with the senior school and how they're using the site and facilities so it becomes quite a complex uh, process and we benefit from the language teachers from the senior school coming over uh, and teaching our younger junior pupils as well so that all has to be factored in Um, I'm also in charge of assessment and how we you know track the progress of our pupils particularly in the core subjects of maths and English and that's you know that's constantly sort of evolving and changing We've recently introduced a system called Incus, which asks our pupils to do some quick online assessments across a range of different academic areas at the start of the of the year. That has been incredibly important and helpful in helping us to target particular pupils, possibly for intervention and support, but also for you know stretch and challenge. So that's become something that we've done in the last couple of years that you know forms our baseline assessments at the start of the year. I'm also in charge of, you know, over, overviewing and overseeing all the curriculum planning that takes place um, and assisting the head in, you know, monitoring of standards, um, observing teachers and just making sure that, you know, the, the lessons that the pupils are experiencing are, are the way that we want them to be, that they're engaging, they're motivating and they're allowing the children to learn and make progress. So in a nutshell, that's, that's what I do in addition to quite a busy teaching timetable as well so it's a it's a busy job I'm not surprised hearing you talk about all of these things and the fact that you do teaching as well I don't quite know how you fit that all in 
And, and actually, one of the almost throwaway comments that you made there is about timetabling. Now, I, I, I know that timetabling can be a real headache. I mean, you hinted that it was a bit of a headache. And certainly in the olden days of, of you know, pre-software doing this, I don't know whether you're involved in it then, I, I sort of believe that people used to use almost blackboards in the hall on wheels to kind of do it that way. But, <laughs> I mean, do, do you use software for that these days? No, no, this, this, is, this is back to old-fashioned method, methods. I get lots of paper out and lots of, uh, you know, get a rubber and a pencil mm-hmm. and I, I look at what's available and what we've got and, you know, what our limitations and restrictions are and then I work around those. And as I fill in class timetables, time I'll fill in staff timetables. And yeah, it's, it's, it's an activity that taxes my brain, I, I, no doubt about it. But yeah, it, it, surprisingly, the old-fashioned way, we still, we still do it. I think, I think in the senior school, who certainly have far more of a challenging timetable task each summer, mm-hmm. I think they use a system, or I think it might just be done on Excel, to be honest with you. One of the other things you mentioned, Richard, was the Incus system. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about exactly what that is. You, you mentioned about stretching and also intervention, but just tell us a little bit more about how that works. Yeah. It's a system that's put together by people at Durham University, the Centre for Educational Management, CEM, I think it, it's called, based at Durham University. Now, they also produce a system um, called Midius, which the senior school use, Again, they will use Midius in the senior school with year seven pupils coming into the school, and it's it's a very useful you know academic performance predictor and is quite reliable in terms of predicting GCSE grades, for example, um, you know five years later. And so Incus is similar, and but it's pitched at key stage two children, junior school age. And so at the start of the year, when the children come in, they all will. Log into the system in the IT suite in the junior school, and then I do a series of six short assessments: general arithmetic, mental arithmetic, uh, spelling, reading, and then they'll do something called a developed ability assessment, which is you know quite similar to sort of non-verbal reasoning type questions, mm-hmm. uh, and they'll also do a, a, something called an attitudes assessment, which gives us a feel for you know how they're feeling about their education and their learning. Again, that's very useful because we do every year just have a, an influx of new children into the school, particularly at year three and at year five. And so, you know, we don't have a very good feel for where they are with their learning, their academic levels mm. and their attitude to their schooling. So this gives us a very quick, instantly accessible snapshot of where these children are. And, and for a school like ours, which you know has, has a, a range of pupils from across the area coming in each year, it's incredibly useful and as I said that then enables us to you know pick out children very early on in the year who've only been in the school you know a week or two we can pick up any children with you know potential gaps potential needs that we feel that we can then support them with so it's it's you know it's very useful really is yeah it sounds reassuring that therefore parents with children that might need sort of any any kind of intervention there's a system in place to identify it but equally parents of children who may require a bit of stretch it's not like they're going to be sitting around waiting for for others to catch up or anything is that right absolutely yeah and you know a system like incus of course goes hand in hand with you know the teacher's professional judgments and you know what they see of the children in class because you you know a good teacher will very quickly get a feel for a child and their academic ability 
you know, but it just sort of adds weight to that. It, it adds weight to any sort of documentation that we need to produce for children. Of course, it's a very useful tool in the case of, uh, you know, a, a teaching and learning inspection from the ISI. That, you know, it's evidence that we are, you know, actively trying to track the progress and attainment of our pupils. It's been very useful as well for our additional learning needs coordinator. So we have a lady who, she's fairly new to the school, um, Nicola Roberts, Miss Roberts in year three. So she took over from a lady called Joy Richards and has become our additional learning needs coordinator. You know, they formerly known as uh, SENCO, Special Educational Needs Coordinators. Mm -hmm. So that's been really useful for her in sort of, you know, helping to identify children, identifying children who potentially perhaps need further investigation and diagnosis and it's also you know been incredibly helpful in for her in putting together you know bespoke sort of intervention programs for particular pupils. Richard tell us a little bit about your own education and how you got into teaching as well. Goodness me right well I'm I'm not from around these parts I'm from over the bridge so I grew up in Cardiff in South Wales so I I, I still I, I live with plenty of stick in school from <laughs> <laughs> Many of my colleagues about that. Thankfully, no there's quite a there's quite a number. Interestingly, there's quite a number of you know Welsh colleagues in the junior school. So Miss Roberts, who I just mentioned, there's another. There's Mrs Hall, no relation, who's uh, teaches in year six and is our head of music and performing arts. She's Welsh as well. Our headmaster, Mr Kendall, has Welsh parentage, so I, I don't feel as isolated and alone as I used to. So yes, I grew up in Cardiff. My mum was a primary school headmistress at the end of her teaching career, and my, my dad was a local authority planning officer. So my education was, I, you know, and it's interesting you ask me, because since I became a teacher, I find I have never reflected on my own educational experiences as much as I have since I started teaching. <laughs> and I, I, I've concluded that the children of today's generation are far luckier than we ever were so I went to I went to a reasonably nice primary school a school called Radha Primary School in the in Radha which is a suburb of Cardiff northwest of Cardiff and then I went to the local secondary school Radha Comprehensive School so this was you know in the 1980s I went there from 83 to 88 and you know I did okay you know by the school but I you know if I reflect back on what you know the lessons were like and what the teachers were like you know, I think a lot of things used to go on that wouldn't happen today. You know, there was it was it was it was an interesting place. I think you know, school then was just something you sort of got you had to do and you got through. <laughs> you know, some of the behaviour I used to witness was you know in, incredibly poor, and you know the teachers, I think they saw us more as you know uh, people to just control and try and sort of you know, lock horns with on a day-to-day basis. Certainly a lot of the children who were at the school challenged the teachers an awful lot. Um, And so it was quite a sort of, you know, at times um, sort of attritional experience, shall we say. Hmm. In terms of how I became a teacher, I, I, uh, I really did, and this is where I feel a school like QEH these days and what I observe in terms of the support given to you know, the older children in the sixth form, for example, in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, career career planning, university choices, you know, in my sixth form, that was pretty much sort of non-existent. And I think the children, you know, they are much luckier today. I sort of left my sixth form having sort of, you know, lost interest in 
education in terms of you know a level education i'd found it quite boring and you know the lessons did not engage and motivate me as a result i didn't do as well as i as the teachers hoped i would in my a levels and then found myself you know having to go through clearing and make a choice about what i wanted to do I think if I remember rightly, I had a place at Bristol University to study geography, but didn't get the grades. So then I ended up going to what was then Bristol Polytechnic to study a sort of um, geography alternative, which was town and country planning. The reason I did that was my dad was a mm, you mentioned. quite a mm. important local authority planning officer. But I, you know, I, I went through my degree and then, I, you know, again, I sort of found when I'd left university that I, I wasn't sure that it was what I wanted to do. I spent a number of years working in recruitment and, and sort of slowly developed a career in human resources. And so before I became a teacher, I was uh, working in Greenwich in, in uh, South East London, working for um, a big French telecoms company called Alcatel. Mm-hmm. And I'd worked my way up in the human resources department, and had when I left there, I was actually in charge of recruitment and training across this enormous site in Greenwich, which was a, a mainly a manufacturing site, but also sort of product development site as well. So there were all sorts of manufacturing staff, engineering staff who worked there, and I, my main role was helping with the recruitment of manufacturing staff, but also running various courses and training processes for engineering and product development staff what sort of year are we talking about here then Richard so this would have been I was working there in the sort of early 2000s late late 90s early 2000s okay so how did you then move from there into the world of teaching well I got to the age of 30 and I thought is this what I want to do for the rest of my life I'm one of these people who finds being in offices and you know, being desk bound and attending lots of meetings and looking at a screen for, a, you know, large periods of the day, I find it quite frustrating. And I definitely was feeling that um, about working in HR. And the longer I did it, the longer I thought, is this what I really want to do going forward? I need mm. to do something that is, you know, more, you know, more engaging, more sort of, you know, active, more fulfilling fulfilling and and indeed challenging yeah absolutely and you know some of my hr work was absolutely uh, challenging in, but in different ways but certainly not as fulfilling i found it hard to buy into you know working for a big blue chip organization hmm. you know alcatel was an enormous organization one of the biggest employers in france hmm. and i did find that hard to buy into you know what am i actually contributing here to this sort of multi-billion pound corporation hmm. And so, yeah, when you mentioned something more fulfilling, you know, that, that's why I started to think about teaching. And certainly my mother and her career influenced me. And I just, you know, I often talked to her about it. And she'd always said she felt I would make a good, good primary school teacher. Mm. And mm. so at the age of 30, I decided, it, you know, it's now or never, really. Mm. So I, I made the change. And I, I was going to spend a year just possibly working as a teaching assistant. Because I'd left it quite late. It was late in the summer that I'd sort of decided, right, no, I want to do this. I'm going to leave my HR role mm-hmm. and, and really sort of actively pursue teaching. And so I did write to some universities just on the off chance, thinking that all their PGCU courses would be full. And I was preparing for a year of looking at being a TA. And then the UE, the University of West of England, called me and said we had a space and invited me along to a selection centre. Right. That was in 
you know, late August 2002. Mm -hmm. uh, and that was it. I did my PGC course, which I absolutely loved. You know, I remember after a few weeks on the PGC course having that incredibly satisfying feeling that I'd, you know, really made the right decision and that mm. this was something I was going to absolutely, you know, love and enjoy uh, as a career. And that's, that's certainly been the case. Well, it sounds to me like you've landed in the right kind of working environment in the right kind of school as well. But I'd, lo I'd love to know a little bit more about what your favourite time of the school day is. What's, what's your most fulfilling time of the school day? God, that's a good I mean that would be very easy to say at four o'clock when the bell rings and we, we wave goodbye <laughs> to the boys who have, who have drained you of every ounce of energy from it from 8 30 in the morning but no I mean I, I really do enjoy teaching certain subjects and I'm lucky I mean this is where you say it's the right kind of school I think it really is for me I did teach in a, a local state primary school for four years before coming to QEH mm -hmm. And I, I arrived at QEH when we opened the junior school in 2007 and I've been here ever since so I think that speaks volumes for mm, mm. what I feel about the place and, and how I know it's the right sort of school for me Yeah. And, and one of the reasons I feel that is that I do genuinely I've, I've been sort of granted the flexibility to you know really sort of pick and choose the mm. subjects that I specialise in and the subjects that I focus on in terms of the bulk of my teaching time mm -hmm. so I love teaching maths um, I always teach maths to year six quite often to the upper ability set which I'm doing this year and it is an absolute joy because you know they are so enthusiastic they love being challenged they love exploring you know quite complex and difficult problems and you know and it's just it's it's I feel I always feel in those sorts of lessons I'm learning with them as well you know they mm -hmm. will come up with suggestions and strategies and approaches that I haven't thought of you know I wasn't an amazing mathematician myself when I was in school but I think I, I feel I've become quite adept at teaching it at this sort of level mm. and it is incredibly rewarding mm. but on top of that just working using IT in the classroom to enhance what they're doing which I alluded to earlier is immensely rewarding and I just love the way that the, I see how the engaged and motivated the boys become. So, for example, in, in year five at the moment, so I teach English in year five, which is another sort of passion of mine. Mm -hmm. And we're writing bi biographies at the moment of inspiring people. And I revealed to the boys this morning that you know their next task is to, they're going to make a, a sort of animated keynote slide where they sort of hand draw over a photo. They trace over a photo, you know, a hand drawing of... The, the subject of their biography that they're writing right. mm. and then they'll animate that drawing so that it sort of magically appears on the screen mm. um, and then and then they're going to they're record their reading of their biography text over the top of that mm. and I showed them a sort of example of what they're going to be working towards this morning it really is you know incredibly effective mm. Mm. and they are just you know they are chomping at the bits they cannot wait to uh, you know have a go and and that's related to writing. You know, people talk about boys being reluctant writers. Well, I think we found a way of sort of unlocking that mm. and, uh, you know, enthusing them in, in, in really new and interesting ways. And it's, again, incredibly re rewarding to do. Well, it sounds very encouraging and uh, encouraging for the boys, encouraging for people listening to this right now. Richard, we need to bring this to a close in a minute. But if anyone's heard anything and wanted to get in touch with the school, maybe get to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? 
they are more than welcome to just drop me a line by email. My school email address is rhall at kbhbristol.co.uk. I'm always happy to sort of, you know, connect with people from the school community, you know, other teachers, parents. So, yeah, absolutely. Just drop me a line by email. That's great. Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here and explaining your role and how that fits into the school and how enthusiastic you are especially in contrast to those days of Alcatel in Greenwich. But thank you for your time, Richard, and thank you for being here. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you very much, Simon. So that was the Head of Teaching and Learning in the Junior School, Richard Hall. Thank you, Richard, for joining us on this episode of The School Podcast. If you'd like, then you can contact Richard directly by emailing rhall at qehbristol.co.uk or just visit the school website. Now, our next episode is coming out soon, but in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you get future notifications, and we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.